Hi, I'm Josh Block, host of Uncover Escaping Nexium from CBC Podcasts. I pull back the curtain on the secretive self-help group that experts call a cult and follow one woman's harrowing journey to get out. The podcast was featured in Rolling Stone magazine and named one of the best podcasts of 2018 in The Atlantic. Listen to Uncover Escaping Nexium on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Don't adjust your radio. We are playing that really annoying sound on purpose. This next segment is about tinnitus. Some people call it tinnitus. It can sound like that, what you just heard for some people. For other people, it's more like this. Or this. But for some people with the condition, people like Kate Kehoe, it can be very disruptive. I noticed the uh, ringing in my ear, not exactly a ringing, but a sound in my right ear uh, when I was trying to get to sleep. Uh, and um, it has stayed with me ever since, although I've had a few nights where I haven't noticed it. It's really a, a couple of fairly high-pitched tones uh, that feel like they are right in my ear. Uh with a little static, and the tones are not consistent, so they change a little bit. The best way I could describe it, and this wouldn't mean much to a lot of your younger listeners, would be the the sound of a fax machine or a modem connecting, you know, a series of sort of beeps that would waver a little bit and there'd be a bit of static. Sometimes louder than other times. It's particularly loud when I wake up in the morning. Um, but it is loud enough when I'm trying to get to sleep that it, it absolutely was interfering with my sleep. That is really annoying, isn't it? 43% of Canadians aged 16 through 79 experienced tinnitus in their lifetime. Ken Jones is the president of the BC Tinnitus Association. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Matt. You have this ringing in your ears? Yes, I have. I've uh, had a very loud shushing sound, uh, hissing sound, uh, since just after a rear-end accident in November the 8th, 1984. So what happened? You can remember the date of that accident. What happened in that accident? A very minor accident which whiplashed uh, me, and uh, just shortly after that, I had the tinnitus come on. And it's been the tinnitus that continuously reminds me of that date. And so you described it. I mean, it's not just ringing, right? Give us a sense as to what it sounds like in your head. It sounds like electrical power line sound. Uh, Mine is at about 92 dB on the decibel scale, if you're familiar with that. When when, When do you hear it? I hear it whenever I'm thinking about it and generally when I'm not concentrating on other things. So, I, I mean, I, would, you he- would you hear it now? I hear it now, yes. The more I think about tinnitus, the more it becomes prominent. I said earlier that it was annoying, but annoying probably isn't a strong enough word. What is it like to have that sound in your ears all the time? Well, for the first couple of years, I had some depression as a result of it. I couldn't find any... Uh, help or couldn't find any information. Fortunately, I was able to find out about a self-help group in the greater Vancouver area where I worked with other people who had it and and, uh, we learned uh, a lot more about it. 
Tell me more about that, if you don't mind me asking, about the depression. I mean, what, what was it doing to your life, that sound? It was uh, very difficult. Uh, it was a combination of uh, lack of sleep. It was uh, confusion in thinking and in talking because it was interrupting my thought processes. I was less motivated. I just really didn't want to do too much. And it's not a quiet sound, as you said. I mean, it, it, it's kind of roaring away, right? That's correct. Actually, uh, it was lower at that time, the beginning. I got rear-ended a second time in uh, August of 99, and my tinnitus became twice as loud. Is there anything that you can do to try to to modulate that sound, to try to, to, to put it into the background, if I can put it that way? Yes, most definitely. And it's because of my finding out about the program that was developed by Dr. Jasterboff and Dr. Hazel uh, that they call the tinnitus retraining therapy. It helps a lot of people in being able to trade in the central sorting area of the brain mm. such that it doesn't consider it as a life-threatening thing, but that it can be uh, something it can ignore and therefore not pass it on to the auditory part of the brain. And this is therapy that you do yourself? This is a combination of therapy that I do therapy that is best uh, done by trained audiologists that are trained by Dr. Jasterboff and Dr. Hazel. We have two of them in Vancouver. I think there are others in Calgary and, and maybe in Toronto. What do you hear? I said you're the president of the BC Tinnitus Association. I mean, what do you hear from, from members of your group about, about what they are living with? Well, I get calls from all over Western Canada, all the way from Toronto and Hamilton and uh, all the way in the north and uh, uh, different parts of Vancouver Island. I get from just it's annoying to uh, very severe uh, problems that people are don't want to live with it any longer. When you say don't want to live with it, I mean that, that it's that severe that they, they consider... They consider suicide, yes. Oh, my goodness. What's the age? What's what's the swath in terms of the, the the range of ages that would come to you? We've had fourteen year olds uh, all the way up to not in their nineties, uh-huh. and all all genders, uh, all uh, cultures. It's it's a very cross sectional thing. The people out there are not alone. There there are a lot of people, but it's a hidden problem. It's uh, one that uh, people don't talk about because they can't to explain to people what they hear. Because they're the only ones who can hear it. And if you're trying to explain to somebody else, they, they can't understand what it is that you're going through. That's correct. And it's very difficult for people like spouses or support people, family, uh, to uh, tell them that you have a problem and uh, they can't understand it quite often. That's why we invite them to come to our self-help groups uh, as well. What about for doctors? If you go to the doctor and you say, this is what's happening to me, what sort of response do you get from them? I've heard it over and over again from various people coming to our groups and on the phone. Um, you, you've got tinnitus. You're going to have it for the rest of your life, and there's nothing we can do about it. It's devastating. Yeah. It, it uh, puts people into a, a hopeless situation. They, they just don't uh, know where to turn. Fortunately, some of them are able to get to our uh, self-help groups, uh, find them on the Internet or on the health programs. Uh, I've got my phone number and my email up there, 
uh, to help uh, reach out to people. We're going to talk in just a moment about more of the, the, the solutions that are being offered. But just finally, before I let you go, for people who are living through this, people like yourself, what, what are you looking for? What do you, what do you want um, for, for people who are living with this? Well, first of all, we'd like to have the medical professions, the GPs and the ear, nose and throat specialists to be better educated in what tinnitus is and how to help people with tinnitus. And secondly, we'd like to see that there would be some way of being able to, through the research that's going on, uh, get a, a way of resolving this. Ken, I'm really glad to talk to you. I wish you the very best, uh, but thanks for explaining what you're living with right now. Thank you very much, Matt. All the best. Bye now. Ken Jones is the president of the BC Tinnitus Association. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Sylvie Hébert is a professor of audiology at the University of Montreal. Sylvie, good morning to you. Good morning. How common are stories like Ken's, people living with this condition for decades, um, and there doesn't seem to be any relief. They go to the doctor, the doctor says, I'm sorry, this is what you have. Yeah, the case of Mr. Jones is uh, unfortunately very typical of what people with tinnitus are faced with when they first uh, consult their medical doctor or ENT it's it's going to be to be reminded that ENTs uh, are doctors who are uh, prone to intervention they want to enter they want to solve problems they so the tinnitus unfortunately has not a, a solution a easy solution so that, that's what they say to patients mm. less and less often fortunately but uh, yeah people uh, patients often are faced with uh, some kind of uh, helplessness that's why we are trying to raise awareness about uh, tinnitus and and it's a uh, high prevalence in the population what do we know about what's going on here what causes this condition well we know that uh, the main risk factor for tinnitus is uh, hearing loss or hearing uh, damage somewhere in the auditory system. So even with a, a slight loss of hearing, in the high, usually in the high frequency, you, you are at risk of developing tinnitus. So when you age or when you have uh, you have too much noise exposure, for instance, uh, and I'm talking more especially about the young people who are listening to music to very loud levels, they develop hearing loss. And this hearing loss it causes uh, the fibers to be damaged. It's been a very... Um, prevalent uh, results and findings in, in, in research that the tinnitus is more or less equivalent to the, the, the frequencies that are lost mm. in our hearing. So, for instance, if you, if you lose the hearing from, you know, very high frequencies, then tinnitus will be the very high frequencies. It will be the mirror of the hearing loss. It's like the, the, the brain would produce these sounds that you cannot hear from the outside anymore. But what we heard from Ken, I mean, he doesn't just hear a ringing. He hears, as he said, like a shushing kind of sound. Um, that there are different types of sounds. How much variation is there in terms of what people are hearing and how loud those noises are? 
Yeah, well, we are stuck with words to describe the tinnitus because we cannot really, it's an indirect way to know what people are hearing. But tinnitus is often described as Ken was describing his, um, like a, sh a sound source, a water, watershed, a ringing, a high pitch, like electricity. So it, it can go from very large band noise to a very thin, uh, pure sound, for instance. It can also vary within uh, a person as well. So a person can hear many sounds or several sounds or only one sound. It's, it's really variable. How, how often is it just nonstop noise? It's, it's very hard to get uh, very precise uh, numbers because it depends, it depends on the question you know, people ask. But uh, a recent... For instance, a recent study from StatCan, uh, published in 2019, estimated that 37% uh, of adult Canadians uh, had experienced tinnitus in the past year, and 7% had tinnitus that was bothersome, mm -hmm. you know, affecting uh, different aspects of their lives, such as, such as sleep, concentration, mood, as uh, Ken described himself. Let's talk a bit more about that just briefly. I mean, bothersome is one thing. And I said that earlier that the sound that people were hearing was annoying. But Ken talked about depression. He talked about people considering suicide, for example. What do we know about the long-term health consequences if, if, if somebody is experiencing this? Well, usually uh, people tend to, uh, over a long time period, uh, they they come to an acceptance of their of this condition. It's like a chronic pain, you know. It's uh, there. There are some phases, and sometimes for different reason, maybe a life circumstance, uh, they have relapse, and then they consult again, and they they need some kind of support. But usually, eventually. We, we think that, uh, at least that's what research tends to show, that people usually live uh, better and better with the tinnitus mm. over time. So it's reassuring, but it's not, certainly for, for audiologists, it's not enough because we want, to, uh, to, we want people to feel better and to uh, eventually what we would like is to, uh, to eliminate tinnitus. And that's what patients usually, when they consult an audiologist, that's what they aim for. And audiologists on their side, from their point of view, they know that they can't. So they're trying to alleviate, you know, the consequences of tinnitus. I mean, there are also um, strides that are being made by scientists to try to figure out treatments for this, treatments that may at some point in time help eliminate some of these symptoms. There's this technique called bimodal neuromodulation. Um, and I want to explain what that is, but first have a listen to, to how the folks behind this one device called a linear um, Describe what it is that, that, that they do. This is from the company's website. Take a listen to this. Lanier's dual mode stimulation combines two sensory inputs, sound stimulation and multi-pattern tongue pulses to activate hearing and sensory pathways. This dual mode approach weakens tinnitus pathways and helps the brain to stop focusing on tinnitus sounds. So Sylvie, just explain as you understand it first, what's bimodal neuromodulation? Bimodal, uh, well, bi needs uh, two uh, models. So there's two uh, modality to present, uh, to present stimuli. So the, basically what Lanier uh, does is to stimulate the tongue, the tip of the tongue, 
at the same time as it, it sends a sound to the ears. So it's based on the pioneering work uh, from Susan Shore in the United States. And she showed that so, some of the uh, auditory pathways can integrate into information from different senses. So, for instance, from the from the skin, and and bimodal mod, uh, neuromodulation is based on this idea that in in the auditory pathways, some of the structures integrate um, other modalities. Uh, stimulation, so they code for, for, for instance, the, the tongue, and they stimulate adjacent or, or very close structures in the brain so that they can, they can um, activate a sort of a plasticity. Plasticity is the ability for the brain to reorganize itself and to, to you know, when we learn, we, we acquire uh, new, new skills. So that's, that's because our brain is plastic, you know, the brain is learning. So by the neuromodulation, they, they're trying to um, uh, tell the brain to, uh, to, <laughs> To, uh, to be more plastic, to learn that tinnitus is, is, should be uh, not avoided, but sh- should be toned down, I would say. I mean, I, I, in reading about this, there was a long piece in the Washington Post about this, and it, it essentially described it as retraining the brain. Right, exactly. Relearning that the, 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 through the pathways that the, the, the tinnitus sound is, a, is, not a, is not an important sound and, and that uh, the person should not listen to it. We, we're not sure exactly <laughs> from the neuro, uh, neuromod uh, studies that what it does to the brain. Because the, the, most, um, the most challenging issue in, in the tinnitus research, well, one of the most challenging anyway, is that we, you, know, you have the sound itself the tinnitus that you hear, like people are hearing a sound. It's a phantom sound in the sense that it's not uh, produced by a, an external sound nobody, source. Nobody else can hear it. Exactly. So it's really an, a, an intimate experience. And and uh, we only can approach what the per, the person is uh, is listening, is hearing in, in her head or in his head. So, for instance, if you if we're trying in the in in, in my lab, for instance, we, we've done that. We're trying to approximate the frequencies that are heard by the person, and we match the intensity with an external sound. So, you know, we present some sounds mm. and we ask the person, "Can you match the the the, the intensity?" The intensity is is really uh, is really precise. But if we have two persons with the same frequency, the same sound intensity, one will live very happily with her, her tinnitus and, and the other person will go crazy with his tinnitus for the same intensity. And that's, that's, the, that's a challenge and a mystery for us. Why are some people so disturbed by it and why some people you know, can go past mm. this, this step? This linear device, I mean, it's not yet available in Canada, but in hearing from people who've used it in the United States, they say that it's life-changing. Do you think that yeah. it offers that kind of promise to people? Uh, well, well, yeah. I don't want to, um, I don't want to be a, a downsider or, or, you know, a pest, but uh, there are some scientific uh, research to be conducted uh, still. I mean, the, it's, it's good. The, the idea is good. The science be, be behind it is good. So I'm not... Uh, 
denying that at all. But from the studies that I've read that were published with the device, there's no good placebo control uh, studies. So they're they're comparing, you know, uh, one therapy to another by switching some parameters of their own devices. They're not comparing their device with some kind of therapy that has proven to be efficient mm. or, or for instance, the cognitive behavioral therapy. Let me ask you. So, let me ask you about that CBT therapy because this is really interesting. Um, there's a the, uh, Fabrice Barty from the University of Auckland created this smartphone app called MindEar that uses a chatbot that that then features cognitive behavioral therapy to help people kind of work through, I guess, the negative feelings about the noise that they might hear in their heads. Have a listen to this we help you to try to reframe that in a slightly more neutral way or more positive way. Uh, meaning that, okay, maybe at the moment or so yesterday, uh, you had like um, a very bad night and then you've not been able to sleep and uh, you are feeling very tired and then very overwhelmed because of additional stress. And then, but you know that like, the weekend is, is it's not far away and you're going to be able to recover and then it's going to get you're going to get better. And so we try to help you reframe this thought in a more positive way. Generally, the more you're going to fight the tinnitus and the more it's going to come back to you. And so how do we basically accept that this is going to potentially be part uh, of your life, but making that the tinnitus go in the background in a place where we don't notice it. We're almost out of time, but is that the case? That the more you fight it, the, the the more annoying this thing is going to be. And 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 can you can you use CBT in some ways to control your tinnitus? Well, the CBT has proven to be uh, very efficacious with people uh, within uh, for people with tinnitus that is very disturbing for as long as one in a one year and a half. Sorry, uh, after you know the the end of the therapy, people are still benefiting from from the therapy. So, and there have been, you know, many studies uh, on a one-on-one therapist-patient formula from group therapy, internet-based therapy. So, yeah, so this is probably the most um, evidence-based, the the therapy that we can recommend on evidence-based practice. For for the neuromodulation, I think it's... it's, it's uh, it's we can stay optimistic about about that kind of uh, of therapy that uh, that is trying to go at the source of the tinnitus. You know that's what a successful therapy would be. You know the the sound is turned off, mm. the person doesn't hear it anymore. So the and this will happen uh, by you know modulating the the brain in some way. So I think that's uh, we we should stay optimistic, but we we should wait. You know, until more and more studies will uh, will uh, discover and 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 measure the therapy. Just very briefly, finally, I mean, as an audiologist, are you concerned? You connected this directly with hearing loss. Are you concerned with a society where it seems like we're listening to things all the time? We have, you know, increasingly more expensive and and successful headphones to block out the sounds of the world so that we can hear just what we want to hear through through our earbuds and what have you. Are you worried about that when it comes to this condition being more prevalent in future because of increased hearing loss? 
Certainly, because we right now we, we're not uh, seeing the day that where you know tinnitus will be a solved problem, and uh, StatCan has uh, has reported that uh, for young people aged 19 to 29, half of them nearly had had tinnitus experienced tinnitus in the past year. So that's huge number of of young people who will have you know ears of of elderly people, and. Uh, you know, once it's there for six months or three months or more, it's it, it, it's likely that it will stay there forever. Uh, well, until a cure is found. Mm. So turn the music down. Turn the music down. Yeah, that's the 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 that's the most uh, wise advice that I could I could give to young and and old people. Mm. <laughs> Sylvia Barrow, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Thanks to you. When, for inviting me. Sylvie Hébert is a professor of audiology at the University of Montreal. Have you dealt with this tinnitus? Tinnitus? doesn't matter what you call it. It, it as we heard, is more than annoying to some people. Um, what has your experience been like? What does it sound like in your head? How would you describe it? And what have you tried to do to get rid of those frustrating noises? Let us know. You can email us, thecurrent at cbc.ca, or send us a voice memo, pull out your phone, just record it on the voice memo app, and then email it to us, thecurrent at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.